0: So let me jump into today's topic. Um, I once saw a tweet, and uh, Lord, I hope it's by somebody who has a good reputation, but I don't know the guy as much as what he said made a whole lot of sense, and so I remember writing it down, and I thought it was appropriate to start with this tweet today. He says, a Coke costs $1 in the vending machine, $3 at the grocery store, and $5 at a theme park same coke the only thing changing its worth is the location it's in so next time you feel your worth is nothing maybe you're in the wrong place oh come on there's a lot of truth there and we're like come on my friend Lawson I hope Lawson's a good guy i don't i don't i don't really know but today i want to talk about how misplacing value on something or more important misplacing value on someone because of the location that it's in, is going to be a theme for today's message. And so if you've got your Bible, go with me to Luke chapter 4. If you're already using your smart device to take notes, that's the one app that you can switch over to, switch to the Bible app, and look at Luke 4, because we're going to deep dive into a number of verses together because there's a lot there and honestly i could talk three times as long on this subject but some of you all are like i ain't got time for that and we ain't gonna be here that long do you know what time the ravens kick off okay anyway if you're rooting for any other team you got it wrong okay i'm sorry i'm just seeing seeing if we're awake today just seeing if we're awake (laughs) i don't care which team go saints all right Luke chapter 4, 14 through 30. This is what the Bible says about Jesus. Now, let me set it up that Jesus is slowly revealing his true nature as the Son of God and Messiah. If you've gotten into your Bible before and you wondered, why does Jesus sometimes do amazing miracles and say, don't tell anybody about it. Like, keep this between us. It's because Jesus is trying to do ministry, he's sharing awesome teachings, he's doing amazing miracles, and the quicker the cat gets out of the bag, the swifter his ticking time bomb on his life is going to become. Because the more the word spreads about who Jesus says that he is and what he's doing, the more religious leaders and Pharisees and Roman uh, 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 guards are going to have power struggle issues, and they're going to kill him. And so Jesus sometimes says, let's keep this between us for now. And the reason he's doing that is because he's got a lot to share. And so what we're about to share is very early on in Jesus' ministry, and he's revealing who he is while still keeping it kind of contained. And so let's look at Luke 4, 14. It says, then Jesus returned up north to Galilee, filled with the Holy Spirit's power reports about him spread quickly throughout the whole region now i've been in israel last year and i'm taking a trip next year and inviting as many of y'all who want to come as possible if you're interested on october 1st after church we're having an interest meeting i would love for you to come because i've been to the area of the sea of galilee so many of Jesus' miracles and ministry and childhood was around that area. And so I've been right next to this lake, and, and, and just outside of it, just a few miles outside of it, is picking up in um, uh, 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 verse 15. He, he taught regularly in their synagogues all around that area and was praised by everyone. And when he came just outside of Galilee to the village of Nazareth, his boyhood home you're going to want to hold on to that he went as usual to the synagogue on the sabbath now let me just point out if it was jesus's regular routine to be at this the place of god's teaching god's house the synagogue On Sabbath, then I think we too, followers of Jesus, need to always prioritize being in the house of teaching, growing closer, understanding his word, and that's what he modeled. And so he frequently, every Sabbath, was in the synagogues, most of the time teaching as he was getting older, and it says, well, actually, how about we pause it right there and we let the chosen clip show us what happens next. Now, if you've been watching with us, the clip I'm about to show you is actually 15 minutes long, but ain't nobody got time for that <laughs> when, I, when I only got a certain amount of time to preach. So I've edited it, edited it, you try saying edited it down. I edited it, edited it down to about eight minutes, and I think it's pretty amazing, but it's even richer if you watch it on your own as homework, and I would encourage you to do that, but today, I would encourage you to take note of how many different ways there are to receive the transforming message of Jesus as he shares amazing, profound truth. Watch this.
1: And now for the reading and interpretation we have with us, Jesus Bar Joseph. He was one of my students in Torah class, and we've heard reports, some of them very positive of his <laughs> rabbinic <laughs> journey, <laughs> Jesus. Thank you, Rabbi Benjamin. Uh, this, you No, know, it's
2: not easy to share in front of Nazareth's most preeminent rabbi, but I will do my best. A reading from the scroll of the prophet Isaiah. spirit of the lord god is upon me because the lord has anointed me to bring good news to the poor he has sent me to heal the brokenhearted proclaim liberty to the captives and recovery of sight to the blind to the opening of the prison for those who are bound to proclaim the year of the lord's favor The fulfillment of this scripture, as you have heard it, is today,
1: here, now. Not bad for a carpenter's son, yes? (laughs) I mean, especially Joseph. May he rest in peace. Jesus, please explain why you stopped the reading before Isaiah spoke of the day of vengeance of our God, especially during a time of such oppression. The day of vengeance is in the future.
2: I'm not here for vengeance. I'm here for salvation.
1: You're here for salvation? What are you saying? You know what I'm saying.
2: In this year of jubilee, this year of the Lord's favor, is not about release from financial debts. I'm here to provide release from spiritual debt.
1: We're the chosen seed of Abraham. We don't have spiritual debt. Uh,
2: Jesus. Yes, Adam? We've been hearing about the signs and wonders. And now this? Are you claiming to be more than a rabbi? More than even the baptizer? No doubt one of you will quote me the proverb, physician, heal yourself. The things we heard you did in Capernaum and in Syria, do here in your hometown. Yes? Why not? I get it. It's always easier to accept hard truths and even greatness from strangers and from those you know well, especially those you knew as awkward teenagers. But this brings up an important truth. No prophet is acceptable in his hometown. Be careful with what you call yourself. This should be easy to prove. Dinah and Rafi, you say you saw it, yes? Yes.
1: Yes, we saw it, but... He did not claim this. A true prophet from Adonai would not deny his own people's signs and wonders. You may be the chosen seed of Abraham.
2: You may be the people of the covenants. But that will not bring you my salvation. If you cannot accept that you are spiritually poor and captive in the same way that a Gentile woman and a Syrian leper recognize their need if you do not realize that you need a year of the lord's favor then i cannot save you
1: Who do you think you are?
0: This is what Hannah talked about! That he even called himself the Messiah! Are
1: you claiming to be the Messiah? Or are you merely claiming to speak for the Lord as a prophet?
2: Yes. You are a false prophet! (laughs) What? That is quite a thing to say. Jesus? maybe we should leave Blasterous, you're his friend you cannot be involved you know what the law of moses says? we are all his friends aaron we cannot say things like this jesus, stand up at once rabbi please rafi come with jesus and me no. we will leave and you can all continue to serve benjamin has asserted false prophecy and i cannot. argue you said you saw the miracle he's saying only he can save he us. did not use those words it's what i meant jesus you're not helping stop He's saying we are not the holy ones chosen. Now he did not say that. In
1: words, a book of Moses. But the prophet who presumes to speak a word in my name that I have not commanded him to speak, that same prophet shall die. Rabbi Benjamin, I beg of you, not this.
2: Lazarus. it's fine.
1: Jesus, if you do not renounce your words, We will have no choice but to follow the law of Moses. Jesus Bar Joseph, because you have repeatedly prophesied falsely, and have offered no denial or renouncement of your blasphemous claims, there is no need to escalate this to the authorities. Do you stand by all that you said? I think I was pretty clear. As from the law of Moses, whose life and words you have spat upon today, Your sentence is death.
0: Job depicting what's happening in Luke chapter four verses fourteen through thirty, and I don't have time to read the whole thing. I would encourage you to study that because they they did a fantastic job. But let's jump into a portion of it that I'm going to focus on today. That after Jesus read the Isaiah prophecy, after he declared, "I am fulfilling it today," I am He. Um, The 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 reaction started in verse twenty two saying. How can this be, they asked. Isn't this Joseph's son? And then he said, you will undoubtedly quote to me this proverb, physician, heal yourself. Meaning, do miracles here in your hometown like you did in Capernaum. And, and, and But I tell you the truth, no prophet is accepted in his own hometown. And then Jesus said, kind of changes the dialogue a little bit to help them see that God moves in places where people are hungrier than they are right here. They think they're hungry for God, but he's saying, look at what's happening all around. You compare yourself to Capernaum. You want miracles like Capernaum. Let me tell you how people are responding in Capernaum by showing you how people are hungrier than you are. Verse 25, certainly, there were many needy widows in Israel in Elijah's times, when the heavens were closed for three and a half years, and the severe famine devastated the land. Yet Elijah was not sent to any of those hometown people. Instead, he was sent to a foreigner, a widow of Zarephath in the land of Sidon. And when and many in Israel had leprosy, and in the time of the prophet Elijah, but. The only one healed was an outsider, Naaman, a Syrian, not a hometowner. And when they heard this, the people in the synagogue became furious. Jumping up, they mobbed Jesus, and they forced him to the edge of the hill on which the town was built. This is a mountainous town of Nazareth, and the exact spot is called the Mount of Precipice. It's there to look at where they were intending to push him off the cliff. But Jesus just passed right through the crowd and went on his way home. Do you remember how I started out with a simple tweet? That where something, or more importantly, where someone is located determines a lot about how much they're valued or worth. And that is exactly what's going on with Jesus in his hometown. See, the, the, the Nazarites were, were wondering why Jesus wouldn't do special things um, here like he's doing out there. Come on, Jesus, put on a dog and pony show. Do your little dance. We want the hometown program. We want the special one. We've heard about healing leprosy out there. We've heard about miraculous things you did there. Now it's our turn. We built you. We know you best. Go ahead. Put on your best performance. And and, and it's almost like Jesus' answer was in essence, I could, but you should already know who I am. But I grieve that you don't. And so, Jesus should have been understood to be the Messiah. You and I both know that when you're in school and a new person comes to school, first question you might ask is, where'd you move from? And they would have known. I was born in Bethlehem. I'm a Bethlehem baby. Come on. They should have been able to put two and two together. They should have known. He was a prodigy in Torah class. He memorized scripture way faster than anybody else in the class because he was the written scripture. They should have put two and two together that his character would have been described as God sent. They should have understood that his heart for humanity was like none other. But yet, instead of being convinced and already knowing who he was without a dog and pony show, they want more. Show us more. Show off. Do more things and the problem jesus is saying is even if i did something miraculous it wouldn't even move the needle because jesus didn't do wasteful miraculous things he did it to catch people's attentions and the problem is as he stated prophets are without honor in their hometown this is where you and i come in because i call it the hometown dilemma and you and i could be guilty of the same thing and, and and I define the hometown dilemma as this. When Jesus has become too familiar to you, that you place him not as your Lord or superior, but as your equal to reason with. Come, Jesus. Let's be rational. Let's talk this out. I have thoughts, too. Surely you can't be saying you are this guy. Surely you mean not that much. Don't, 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 don't hold yourself up in such high esteem but let me pull you down to an equal, to someone that I can jockey with in rational thought and logic and opinion. In Mark chapter 6, Jesus also describes he had other hometown problems in Nazareth because it said that he couldn't do many miracles there because of their lack of faith. In other words, Nazareth wants what Capernaum and Jerusalem, and everywhere else got, but they want to live in their fishbowls of having not very much hunger. Just entertain me, Jesus. Just show off a little bit. And if I had to give this passage a theme, I would write this down. The theme I would give it is spiritual complacency and sovereign supremacy don't commingle. We can all subconsciously get to a place of spiritual complacency. I'm from Jesus' hometown. I've been in his home for so long. I know what's going to happen at church. They're just going to play three songs. He'll speak a little bit. I'll watch the clock. We'll wonder when are we going to wrap this whole thing up. Then we'll all go home. I'm familiar with how Jesus works. So Jesus, do your thing. Do what you're trying to do, and let's, let's all move along. You know, when I was younger, and I, I was one of those guys that my parents wanted to, my daddy wanted to teach me the value of a dollar. Come on. So how many of y'all are one of those that you paid for every last penny of your first vehicle, right? Not, not, because, not because mom and dad didn't want to help. They just wanted you to feel it. Come on. You're going to understand. bro. I, ha- I bought me an $1,100, 84 Toyota pickup, no power steering, no automatic transmission. Come on, That thing was a white piece of junk. I owned every last pit of that rust come on, and to differentiate it and make it so cool, I put a sports bra on the front of that hood so that when you saw that white truck coming down, you said, oh, sweet sports bra. Who's that? That's Drew. That's who that is. And I just rolled up into my, come on, Santa Mall High School. Come on, driving that pickup truck. Didn't want to turn when you're at a stop because I look like this. Don't watch me sweat. Look at my sports bra on that hood. Come on. And so one of the things that my dad taught me to own it correctly is he said, Drew, you've always got to check the oil. Even when you think nothing's wrong with the oil, you've got to check the oil. He did it about lawnmowers too. Every single time I got on it, every single week, he's like, did you check the oil? I'm like, no. I checked it last week. I'm sure it'll be fine for another six weeks. I don't need to check it. You should check the oil. And in the same way, Jesus here is saying, you should check your soil. You should check the soil of your heart. Because he said in many different places that we all have a soil of our heart. And if it's penetrable, oh my goodness, the kingdom of God is right at your step you're going to see 30, 60, even 100-fold. But if your soil's not right, if the seed can't penetrate, if your heart's become stony or thorny or, or busy, if your life's just too uh, 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 hard, it's going to be hard to receive the kingdom of God because we've got to check our soil. And so Jesus once did just that with his disciples. He, he took them to Caesarea Philippi. Now, Caesarea Philippi was an area known for worshiping foreign gods. In fact, they didn't just have foreign gods. They had altars and they had statues to foreign gods. And when Jesus chose this backdrop to pull his disciples inside, aside and ask a question that he's going to ask every single one of us the first moment we're on the other side of this earth, who do people say I am? And amidst this backdrop, the disciples say, Sarah Philippi and others, they think maybe John the Baptist, like a really good guy. Like some say a prophet, like it's kind of good, right? Jesus asked the question he's going to ask you and I Who do you say that I am? And Peter said, I think you're the Christ. You are the Messiah. You are the Son of the living God. And Jesus said it's in that kind of soil that that was discovered to you by the Holy Spirit. And in that kind of soil, under that kind of declaration, I will build my church. And the gates of hell will not be able to prevail against that. See, if you would have asked Caesarea Philippi, who is Jesus? They would have said, John the Baptist, prophet. If you asked Peter, he would have said, Christ, the Messiah. But if you ask Nazarenes, they would have said, it's a carpenter's son. That's Joseph's boy. That's the child who grew up two houses down. Always making, you know, mischief or whatever. I don't know what Jesus would have done in his childhood. All I know is it was way too common of an answer for the Son of God. And so, checking our soil takes extreme, honest introspection because every single one of us would say, I'm open to God. I'm open to Jesus. I'm open to his teachings. I'm open to following it all. And so would the Nazarenes. Because we always say, I'm coachable. I'm pliable. I'm teachable. I'm open. What God says goes. And yet, there are times and seasons of our life where we can say, I don't like that scripture. Come, let's reason together. Come, let's jockey. Come, let's talk about that. Let's Let's play that out. And unless you think I'm upset or I'm trying to step on people's toes, I'm really not. I just believe God's about to do something amazing. I truly believe that God is opening up revival all throughout our land. I believe more and more people are coming back to Jesus Christ. And I just want us all to check our soil so that we don't miss it, so that we don't have the seed. Open up a 30, 60, 100 harvest even in our own life where we. Check our soil a little bit just to say, God, I don't want to be like a Nazarene who's just gotten way too common with you. Just, he's one of the boys. He's, he's just a hometown. I don't know why he's trying to exalt himself as something better. And so today, I want to talk about two soils for today. And the first one is the one I've been talking about the most, the familiar soil. If you're, if you're writing down notes, if there's two types of soil today, he, here's the one I hope that we can move out of if you find yourself there. And that is familiar soil. You might say... Pastor, what's so wrong with being familiar with God? Like That's such a good thing. And I've struggled with this all week long because I, I want you to hear my heart. And I want to use a short amount of time to explain it very well. That it is good to be a friend of God. And, and God calls us his friend. And we sing songs about it. I am a friend of God. Come on. And some of you are like, come on, I love that song. Others of you are like, how old is that song? So It's, it's only like 10 years old. Come on now. Don't be judging little israel hooting he calls me friend come on everybody okay some of y'all know what i'm talking about others are you like put on the dog and pony show no no it's good to be a friend of god the problem is it's not good to be familiar with god familiar takes people for granted you ever been overlooked you ever been taken for granted before Oftentimes we take people for granted who have become too familiar for us. We've gotten too buddy-buddy with them. We've gotten too uh, overlooking for them. And so we we start to reason with them as equals. We lose perspective that he's sovereign, he's God, and I am not. I don't have the right to speak to him this way. Now, I've just been on vacation with my wife's extended family and my in-laws, for the last week in one condo together. Let me just keep it real. When you get familiar with people, you start farting and burping in front of them, and you know what I'm talking about. Some of you are just like, you're so gross. What are you doing? Now, when we go in public, let's make sure that we don't do that, right? Because when you get familiar, you commonize. You bring down. You lose the sovereign. You lose the honor. You lose the awe. And you just make them one of us. Just a co-equal. And so you might still be asking, well, pastor, how can we be too familiar with Jesus? And my answer would be if it happened for the Nazarenes and the Pharisees, it can happen to me. It happens when we look at a small group semester and we say small groups are always there. I'll just join next time. It, looks, it happens when we say uh, discipleship. I know I need to go through discipleship, and I know I'm putting it off, but it can always be there later. It looks like when we say there's always another Sunday. I'll just catch it next week. It's really not all that big of a deal. It looks like when I said I've served before, and it's someone else's turn to serve, and that's just Sunday morning. It can also look midweek like, I pray every night, so that should make me good. No matter what I do, it should cover all things because I closed out in a prayer. It can look like, though I'm sexually immoral, God understands the pressures of today, so he thinks it's okay, and he'll be okay with it too. It's, it, it, it's saying that, who cares if I steal a little? I deserve it anyway, and I kind of earned it. It's it's saying, so I look at porn a few times, so I gossip a little bit. Who cares? Come. I'm just so familiar with God and his goodness that he'll forgive me again. Can I tell you a double-sided truth? The answer is he will. But Jesus said, do not take advantage of his mercy. That when we live in fear and awe of God, you are saved. And I get to sit at your table? You're sovereign. And I get to be among you instead of, go ahead and do another trick. Because I've seen a lot and I've heard a lot and I should know a lot, but what have you done for me lately? We need to be careful that we don't have a familiar soil. I wrote it this way. When we fail to meaningfully... Uh, enter into worship when the music starts or when we fail to open our hearts to be molded like clay to the word or when we fail to honor the Sunday Sabbath and keep it holy or when we fail to build his house like we've built our own house when we say, how dare you to say I need to be saved from my calendar or from anxiety or from my favorite sports team or from all that. I'm offended by this. Who do you think you are? We too have become Nazarenes And I think Nazarenes are way too comfortable of pushing the Messiah off the cliffs of their heart. They take the Messiah and they say, I'm going to put you in your place unless you do what I say. The Pharisees did the same thing and they crucified him. And so I just don't ever want to get in a commonplace with god i want to be in a close place with god but i want to always maintain his sovereignty and the awe that he is god and i am not do you understand this are you with me say amen. amen the second type of soil is an expected soil so you can have a familiar soil he's just the carpenter's son or you can have an expectant soil did you see some of the people in the clip One of those women in the clip, is they depict it as Mary. This is the same Mary who will one day break the most expensive jar of perfume on Jesus' feet. This is the same Mary who one day Jesus will raise her brother from the grave after being dead for days. This is the woman going, I thought it was you. Like, I, I could see the signs. I was just waiting for you to say it. I knew it. I knew it. And she's like this while others are like, who do you think you are? I want to be the expected one. I want to be the ones going, I knew it. I knew he could do it. I knew he was able. I knew he was more than able. The expectant soil are the people whose hearts are hanging on Jesus' every word, believing there's power in everything he said, receiving it all, believing he's going to do something today, needing him and desiring him, refusing to normalize him, refusing to just go, Church day, let's go through the motions. Let's get this over with. Kick off sat one. We got a big game, big feast today. No, 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 no. This isn't like let's kick it at Jesus' table and then let's leave him. You're sitting with the Son of God. You're sitting with God himself. God's spirit is in the room. And I always want to be expected when he's in the room. See, Jesus one time sat at a dinner table. And he watched people come in. And he said this. In Luke 14, he said, I'm watching y'all come in, and you're jockeying for the best seats in the house. You're coming as close as you can. And he says, you're way too familiar with how important you think you are. Because lest I, someone more important than you walk into the room, and I have to call you out, tell you to stand up and give your seat up, you're going to have the walk of shame to the humble seats. But Jesus then says this, Instead, take the lowest place at the foot of the table, and then when your host sees you, he will come and say, Friend, we have a better place for you. Then you will be honored in front of all your other guests, for those who exalt themselves will be humbled, and those who humble themselves will be exalted. See, what Nazareth didn't know is that out in Capernaum, there's people like Jairus who's going, please, come to my house. My daughter's dying. I think you're the only one who can help. Nazareth is like, come, Jesus. Go ahead and do your display. Do your show. See, out there, there's people with leprosy going, you're my only hope. And in Nazareth, they're like, do your thing. We know you. You live next door and so we too i wrote it this way the expectant doesn't try to reason with god at the table the expectant is just excited to be at his table they're just going i get to sit here i don't care what seat i sit in i'm coming to you with a humble open heart not proud not boastful just excited to be near you in your proximity and god says when i see that kind of soil I love to stand them up in front of everybody and say, Come up here. Come up now. Come watch what I'm going to do. Your daughter's going to live today. Lazarus will walk again. He's merely asleep because you're hungry for me. And you see how much you need me. And you don't neglect me or overlook me. And so I hope I made myself. As clear as I can be and and, and I say here's the solution today I think that the familiar need the expectant and the expectant need the familiar let me let me share that in an example when my wife and I um, I don't know if it was before we got married or after we got married we led our first missions trip and I think it was right after we got married because we went to Mexico and they put us in a hostel where uh, women had to sleep in one room and men had to sleep in another and we were married because you couldn't keep your hands off of me and so that was a really difficult time for you. I remember it accurately now. <laughs> and so I just remember we were in two different rooms and, and we had a team with us that we were leading, and and uh, we were there for like seven days, and on the last day before we traveled back, it was a Sunday, and they said, we're gonna put you in the back of a pickup truck, we're gonna take you to five different services, in five different locations, at five different times, probably across 500 miles. Isn't that exciting what God's gonna do? And I thought, no, that doesn't sound exciting. So I remember thinking, I better pace myself because I was preaching at two of those experiences and we got to the fifth one. It was probably five o'clock at night. I didn't know where I was. I was sitting in the back of the church just thinking, is there a taco stand around here somewhere? Can I get me a bottle of water? This American boy's hungry. Come on, (laughs) Then I saw what looked like an 82-year-old man, skinny as a rail, Didn't have all of his teeth. And they're leading worship, and this 82-year-old is this way. The whole time. I'm back here going, where's the taco stand? And is that brother's knees going to hold up like that? How does he got that much energy? Lord, I want to be like that one day. And here I am. I've preached twice And he is more expectant of what you're going to do in this place. He's more in awe of wonder that like, God's here. We get an opportunity to praise him again. I'm sorry if you don't like it, but it might get loud. Because I'm so excited about what God has done in my life and what he's doing. And I'm sorry if the song gets a little too loud in here. Don't get so familiar that you don't realize that the least reached American generation in all of history of America is being reached. Come on, hands and droves, salvations happening every single week. There's a lot of churches who would pray for one salvation a week, and we could go, oh, cool, only four today. What's for lunch? And I'm not, I promise you, my heart is not to get on anymore. I just believe God's stirring up something amazing. I think we're on the cusp of something awesome and I want all of us to just take an introspective look and churn up the soil lest we be too familiar and we sit like Nazarenes going do your thing. It's just another Sunday. Soon we'll go home and we'll watch the Ravens win because every other team is a subpar to that. listen if you're one of the expected ones, you are the 82-year-old man worshiping out of our mind to those who are familiar. Don't lose your awe and wonder. Don't let us shut you down. Don't let us quiet you down for I am not embarrassed of the gospel. It is the very power that has saved my soul. We have all been so expected before, all been so touched by what God has done, all been so excited about what he's doing in my life, and my family, and I'm the first one in my family that God has saved, and I believe he's gonna use me. Don't let us become so familiar that we kind of say subtly, be quiet, tone it down, stop jumping so much. Turn the music down and stop drinking caffeine, Pastor Drew, on Sunday mornings. No, 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 no. Expected ones, we need your zeal. You remind us of the awe of God. Every time someone gets baptized, we who are familiar go, I remember that day. I remember it. I remember what God was doing, and I would do it again. We need you to live out your faith loud. Be bold. For those of us who are familiar, I think... Expectant people need you. We need your discipleship. We need your wisdom. We need your experience. We need you teaching us. What I think that the disciples' best moments were, were not sitting around other tables with disciples, but when they were sent out two by two to sit at tables who were just expectant. We hear things about Jesus. We hear he's doing miracles. Can you tell us more? And when Jesus ascended and they went out, that's where the power of their walk was in, not in sitting around debating I wonder if we should have service at 8.30 or 8.45. I wonder if they should have played that, and I wonder if we should have the decibel meter at this or that because we're all trying to be comfortable going home. That's not the point. The point is God is touching some people's lives. And I want to be one of those disciples who keep my edge because instead of getting familiar with it, if you've gotten too familiar, here's your recipe. Bring somebody who's never been to church to sit next to you next week. Because what used to be routine, like, okay, cool, we should be wrapping up. Next week, you're actually going, oh my goodness, bring your best game. Come on, Pastor Drew, please preach a good one right here. I hope this makes it. I hope they use that good song. And when I say, bow your head, close your eyes, you're like. Because all of a sudden you're expecting like what God did for me. I think He's about to do it for them. And I see how exciting God is, and He's on the throne, and He's still touching people's lives can I get an amen? And so that's why I think you need to be in a small group. If you didn't sign up for one, we need expecting people with familiar people. We need familiar people with expecting people because none are better than the other. They bless each other. So I want to pray over you today. Father, thank you for who you are. Lord, I pray for those who might have gotten a familiar spirit where our soil got hardened up and we're just going through the routine of religion. Father, I pray that you permeate our hearts, open them back up. We repent of it. And God, we thank you that you've got a place for us to be used and to do it all again. We get awe back. We get wonder back. We get trust back. We get faith back. We get hunger back. And Father, for those who are expectant and it's all new to them father i pray that they continue to walk in boldness and they live out their faith and they get they they live out their zeal in front of us all and they share their stories of god's transformation on, on, on videos or in small groups or in our dream teams and that we share god has done it before he's still doing it today god i pray that you mix it all up in what you call your body the church and with every head still bowed every eye still closed I'm not going to embarrass you, and I'm not going to call you forward, but if you just feel like today, I, I, I feel like God's moving in my life, and I might have taken him familiar in the past, but today I'm going all in. I want to give him my entire life and repent of my sins. If that's you, I won't call you down or embarrass you, but I don't want you to be embarrassed right now to throw your hand up in the air and say, Pastor Trudess me." include me in that prayer. Yes, 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 yes. I see hands all throughout this place. I'm so proud of you. I'm so proud of you taking the confidence, the courage to step out of the familiar place and say, I'm going all in, and I'm expecting God to move. Look at me. If you raise your hand, I'm expecting to. I'm pumped too. And everyone who's around you wants to support you as well. So I'm going to ask you to repeat this prayer and believe everything you're saying, and the whole church is going to pray it along with you. Let's say, Jesus, I give you my life. I know I'm a sinner. I've made many mistakes, I ask you to forgive me now. Jesus, I believe you're the Son of God, and when you died on that cross, you did it to set me free and give me a whole new start. I expect that I get to walk with you now. I know I get a new start, and I make you my Lord and Savior. In Jesus' name I pray. And the church said... Amen and amen. Can we get loud for the...